On a previous episode of this podcast, or maybe it was on my main YouTube channel, The iPhoneographers, I talked about doing a short film. If you follow me on Twitter, you've heard me talk about it quite a bit. And I actually know in a previous video, again, on my iPhoneographers channel about the Crane M2 using this gimbal, I definitely talked about prepping for the short film. Well, I shot it last week. And I also directed it. I also am editing it. I'm also doing color correction. I did craft service. I was a PA. I was a grip. <laughs> you get the idea. It's another one of my two-man crew movies. It was me and my filmmaking buddy, Cliff Richart. And while those type of shoots are a lot of fun, I really enjoy doing them. They're also a lot of work. They're a lot of work. However, that's part of the process of making micro-budget films, doing a lot of the stuff yourself, wearing different hats. And so today I'm going to talk about why I chose the iPhone for this particular project and why you might want to as well. Hey guys, Blake Calhoun and another episode of Almost Professional, the podcast about mobile filmmaking, DIY filmmaking, indie filmmaking, really all things filmmaking. And today, yeah, talking about short filmmaking, which is something that I really like to do. And just for those that don't know me, if you're new to this podcast, if you're new to my YouTube channels, I'm a filmmaker who makes a living doing commercials, some corporate, not near as much corporate, but I've also made oh five feature films and four or five feature length web series so quite a bit of stuff in the indie space i did one studio project for warner brothers oh i don't know 10 years ago or so during the web series phase of filmmaking and so i have a lot of experience now i'm not saying my movies are great i tend to like them i'm biased I'm just saying that I have a lot of experience in the filmmaking world, indie filmmaking world in particular. And so take that for what it's worth. Typically on YouTube or podcast, et cetera, I tend to listen to people that have done what I'm trying to do, learn from them, learn from their mistakes. And so that is ultimately what I am talking about here. This is not me bragging about making another movie or anything like that. So in saying all that, the new film I shot on the iPhone 13 Pro Max and this video, this podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube, it is a video. If you're listening to it on Apple or Anchor or wherever else, I'll try to be as thorough as I can. I, I do have a few props I'm showing on YouTube, like again, the Crane M3 I'm holding at my hand right now. And that is actually the first reason that I chose an iPhone for this project. And I've done that before and I've talked about it before, but I love using gimbals with phones. Gimbals with traditional cameras, while you can absolutely fly any kind of camera on a gimbal these days, especially with the heavy duty gimbals like the big ones from Moza or DJI or Zhiyun, it's a pain and it requires really more than a one man or two man setup. And the main reason is focus. Now there are absolutely wireless focus systems you can use. And a lot of the mirrorless cameras, of course, have autofocus, but autofocus really doesn't work well on a narrative project because autofocus is, well, automatic. And so it focuses just wherever you point the camera. It's much harder to dictate where you want the focus and when you want the focus 
to change. Now with a phone, of course, focus isn't as important. And that's another reason. With the smaller sensor, you don't have the extreme shallow depth of field. Although as a side note, I was super, super impressed and surprised to be totally frank about the shallow depth of field looks I was able to achieve on this film. The 13 Pro Max definitely has larger sensors. And it's not the type of situation where you have to be six inches from the subject like you used to with a phone to get shallow depth of field. I'm talking normal distance. And in some cases, five and six feet away, I was able to get some shallow depth of field. I would say it would be the equivalent of maybe shooting at like an F5.6 or maybe an F8 on a traditional camera. I'm talking about the wider shots. And so you are getting a little bit of depth of field there, shallow depth of field. But of course on movies, that look is not really used very much. That super shallow depth of field. I mean, it is occasionally, but if you really watch movies, they're shot a little bit stopped down. F4, I mean, they may shoot in F2.8, but they're not making the background go totally out of focus. But that's one reason I chose to shoot on an iPhone is because of shooting on a gimbal. Not only is focus easier on a gimbal, it's also just easier to handle. It's easier to balance. And I'll link to the video I did on my main channel about this Crane M3. So you can really see what I'm talking about if you haven't checked that out. But gimbal shots obviously add a lot of production value and they're considerably easier on a phone. The second reason I chose a phone and this was more of a test than it was anything else. And that was I wanted to use ProRes. Now ProRes video is Apple's professional codec and it's been around forever. It's still a great codec and I would argue it's the best codec. Now it's not raw, but it is a very robust codec that mainly allows you to have better results, better performance in post-production. Acquiring it, is the same as shooting any other video on your iPhone, except that the files are gigantic. Now I'm going to go into more detail about this on my, I keep mentioning my main channel, but on my iPhoneographer's channel, I'm going to do a bunch of behind the scenes videos about this. Today is really more of a, a highlight of why I use the phone, but I shot ProRes LT. So in playing with ProRes over the last several months, I found that for every day, just B-roll, like on a YouTube channel, ProRes proxy is more than fine. I probably would shoot ProRes 422 or ProRes HQ on any visual effects type shots. Just to have that extra data, it'll perform just ever so slightly better in post-production. But for shooting a short film, I decided to go with ProRes LT. And overall, I've been pretty happy with that choice. There have been a couple instances while I've been doing the color grading, which I've been doing this week, where I think I probably would have been better shooting 422, one step up. But again, you get to this scenario where the size and transferring these files to your computer, is it really worth it? And in some cases, yes, in some cases, no. There are people out there that don't think shooting ProRes on a phone is even worth it at all. And it depends on what you're doing would be my argument. That's a yes and no answer. No for everyday type videos. Obviously, there's no reason to shoot ProRes. Yes, for more advanced type shoots, especially when you're going to be doing color grading or visual effects, as I just mentioned. Also, a huge benefit to ProRes is how easy it plays back on your computer. I edited on a, uh, I guess it's five-year-old iMac, 5K iMac. 
it still works great. As a matter of fact, in my previous podcast episode, I said why I'm not getting the Mac Studio is because my iMac still works so well, and it does. I've been editing this 4K movie with all kinds of effects and color grades, no problem at all. It does stutter a little bit once you start stacking layers and stacking effects, etc. But for most things, it's still totally fine. But ProRes makes it playback very smoothly. Actually, much better than 10-bit HEVC. That computer actually does struggle a little bit with 10-bit HEVC, which is what the iPhone shoots, what Filmic Pro shoots, if you're doing HDR, etc. So ProRes absolutely makes a difference, especially on the professional side. And I would recommend doing that if you're shooting, again, a short film or a commercial, doing anything that requires more extensive or intensive post-production. And there's other benefits to ProRes too. For instance, it resolves fine detail better, like blades of grass or tree branches, etc. It also, in my experience, helps limit noise or the noise looks more organic. You don't get all the blockiness, the artifacts and such that you do when you're shooting HEVC, especially in low light. And so ProRes is great. I think it's amazing that we have it on the iPhone and I recommend using it depending on what you're doing. I absolutely recommend it. Although I do hope Apple adds USB-C or Thunderbolt to the iPhone 14 because getting these files off the phone, that was not fun. I will be the first to admit. It took several hours to get them off the phone. I used AirDrop. I find AirDrop is actually faster than Lightning. Some people disagree with me, but in my experience, I've tested it. It's about 20% faster using AirDrop, but it's still very slow. It's not fast. <laughs> And the third reason I decided to go with the phone on this short film is something that it stuck with me several years ago. I interviewed Neil, the founder and CEO of Filmic Pro at NAB, NAB 2019. NAB 2022 is coming up in about two weeks or a little bit under two weeks. And so that reminded me about what he said and what he said. And he was talking about these A-list filmmakers like Steven Soderbergh, et cetera, and why they used an iPhone. And it was really interesting, but it makes total sense. And that is the process. And so actually, I think the love, the process is a really important thing. The fact that Soderbergh shot two films with an iPhone and Filmic Pro shows that it isn't just a novelty act, that there's something else to the process that yields stuff that maybe a more expensive camera would not. Working with a phone is fun. And it absolutely is. I really believe that. It's so cool to basically pull this camera out of your pocket, pop it on a gimbal, and you're shooting. I'm not telling you anything you don't know if you follow my channel or if you follow my podcast, but it's worth reminding how amazing it is that we have phones <laughs> that shoot 4K ProRes now on the palm of our hand. And the rumor with the iPhone 14 is they're going to shoot 8K. Now, I don't want to shoot 8K. I've talked about this, but I will shoot 8K. I just think about post-production and file size. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll need to get a Mac Studio if that happens. But the process shooting on a phone is a lot of fun. Now, is it perfect? No, it's not. It can be a little bit tedious at times, having to control things on the screen, the exposure, etc. And I'm going to go into a lot more detail about that in my behind-the-scenes videos. However, overall, it's just a lot of, again, fun to shoot on your phone. It really is. And filmmaking isn't easy. There's nothing about filmmaking that's easy, but it's kind of easy to shoot on a phone. It's, it's not 
easy to make good looking images. It's not easy to make a good movie, but shooting on your phone makes it easier. Does that make sense? It really does. And for me too, I love the challenge. I've said this before on this podcast and I mean no disrespect to anyone. I really do not. But anyone can grab a mirrorless camera and shoot a good looking project. Anybody can. I'm not taking away from cinematographers or directors or anybody, but camera tech has gotten so freaking good that literally my 10 year old could turn it on and shoot a great looking video in our backyard or whatever. It's true. Now, obviously craft and experience and skill comes into play when you're telling a story, when you're making a movie, when you're deciding on what composition to use, what framing, what lighting, all that is very, very important, of course. But I'll say it again. If you go buy an off-the-shelf Sony mirrorless camera, like an A6400 for 700 bucks or whatever it is, you can literally put a lens on it, turn that on, and have, in quotes, Hollywood-looking content. I mean, that's why YouTube is what YouTube is today. Most people on YouTube are not filmmakers. The filmmaking niche on YouTube is actually relatively small, although us that are in it think it's the whole world. It's not. Majority of YouTube is not filmmaking YouTube. However, they've become filmmakers. They've become artists in their own right. And it's largely due to the democratization of technology. You can sit down in a room like this. I have a camera sitting on a tripod and put a light up and shoot. And it looks great. You don't have to do much to it. And that is great. So as I often do, and as I often say, I went off on a rant here, but doing the same thing on a phone while shooting on a phone is easy. Making it look like a movie in quotes or look professional is not easy. And I really like the challenge of doing that. And I've done it a lot in the past on other short films and I've failed in some ways, succeeded in others but I'm always learning and I'm always experimenting and it keeps it interesting. And so that is why I like shooting on phones and not to mention they are now getting so good as well that pretty much anyone can take a phone and make something look good. Again, not necessarily a movie good or cinematic good, but really good quality. It's also part, maybe even bigger than the mirrorless world, the democratization of filmmaking. And so that's it. That's why I shot on my phone for this project and why I think that you should too. I really do, especially if you're just starting out. But even if you're not, I mentioned my resume, my filmography, I've done a lot, but I still find a ton of enjoyment and again, a challenge in using a phone that I think, especially from a artistic and creative point of view, could be interesting and challenging for anyone. I mean, I just listened to a podcast with Greg Fraser the DP of Batman and Dune, et cetera. And he did that Apple film. And yeah, he was paid, of course, but he talked about just how fun it was. And again, the democratization and how amazing it is to be able to shoot that quality and that caliber of content now with a phone. So he's preaching to the choir and I'm preaching to the choir. But I think anyone at any level could really have a blast shooting a project with a phone. 
Last thing I want to mention is some news regarding the Smooth 5. I mentioned gimbals. It's really pretty cool that Filmic Pro now integrates with the Smooth 5. And I did a video on my Phonographer's channel about that. So be sure to check that out. And I mentioned NAB and I'm talking about news. Be sure to pay attention to NAB this year in the mobile video space. Again, we're talking maybe 10 days from now, depending on when you're listening to this. If you're listening to this in the future, disregard, you already know. There's some cool news coming out of NAB. And I will come back on this podcast and absolutely on my iPhoneographer's channel and talk about some things that I've been beta testing that I can't talk about now. And I hate to be a tease like that, but it's some cool stuff. I use some of it on my short film and I've been testing some other things for a few weeks now. And you're going to be very interested in that, especially if you're someone who uses these tools in more professional scenarios, mobile journalism, indie filmmaking, YouTube, real estate videos, etc. vlogging. There are a lot of great uses for phones today. And I mean professional uses, not just shooting family videos, obviously. And so this will really pertain to you and that segment that is interested in these type of tools. To learn more about mobile filmmaking, be sure to check out my website. I have several courses that you can enroll in from audio production to smartphone cinematography to learning Filmic Pro. But other than that, thank you guys for listening. I'm Blake Calhoun, and this has been another episode of Almost Professional, and I will look forward to talking to you in the next episode.